This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Very fastly approaching, and um, and and you know, hopefully everybody is prepared. And if you're not prepared, it's time to get prepared. Uh, and the quicker and the earlier you get prepared, the better off that you are. Now, the this topic is really a topic throughout the entire year, and it's it, for some reason people think when whenever people hear, let's say for example, chuba. Whenever I hear people hear tshuva, where do they think about it? Right before Yom Kippur, that's why I gotta fix it up, so you know, I have a good, a good year. People never think of it. Tshuva is, is throughout the entire year. If you do something wrong, if you mess up, then that's when you're supposed to do tshuva. Don't wait till Yom Kippur, don't wait till it's too late, and then you can't, uh, uh, do tshuva, you can't do tshuva anymore. Or you could do tshuva, but you're just pushing it off. So, and, and like we spoke last week, that when somebody pushes off tshuva, if somebody goes and is able to do tshuva, but they push it off, they're, they're making their punishment a lot greater, because it shows that they don't really care so much about it. So, there is, uh, besides the fact of uh, of Chuba, there's also an important thing to, to change. To, uh, you need to, uh, you never know, maybe it's a, you know, the guru that wants to listen, I'm trying to find a quiet spot that no one bothers it. So. Oh, really? So, um, there is, uh, um, that's. It's very easy to be distracted. Have you ever realized, you know, if everyone was listening, we had a fly, you know, just land over here. Because always, you know, when I'm listening to a class, an order class, and everyone's like, you know, the rapper's like doing it, so then everyone's laughing, I'm like, okay, great, now I don't know what's going on, because that. So before I was listening, there was a fly there, and the whole shoe was, uh, no, 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 it's not your fault, it's a fly, you know? But it's very interesting, yeah, I know. It's, it's very interesting because, uh, you know, human, you know, the ability to concentrate for long periods of time has, has, I think, decreased over the period of time, you know? And that's why I think there's, there was a certain, um, there's a certain program or, or like social media that came out with like videos only for very few seconds. Vines? Vines, right. So vines are only, for, so they're only for like, for like six or five or six seconds, seven seconds. Why? I, I don't know what, there's a back reason, but one of the reasons I'm assuming was is that people's attention span is so short that you have seven seconds to actually entertain it and then they get bored. So like, okay, we'll make videos for seven seconds. And I'm like, how is it? Well, it shows how, how uh, you know, advanced we are as a society. It's also because there's so much studio out there that people need to like shorten it. Right, right. But it's uh, but it's very interesting, you know. Like there's there's very there's sometimes there's a uh, um, it, it, there's it's very easy to get distracted, and in order to prevent a distraction, one needs to work on their meditative uh, capabilities. For example, is med- meditation means really is when you're actually able to sit and focus and push everything else away. That in a sense is meditating. So you could sit a, and learn a book, uh, read a book, and but you're full, so engrossed in the book that you don't know about anything else that's going uh, that's that's coming around around you. That is in a sense a way of meditation, and hence really the the real purpose of meditation is really to connect to God and. Uh, we should do a class once on meditation. That's a really cool, uh, cool topic. Um, so, so, uh, uh, but in any case, going back to what we're speaking about, there is, um, it, it's a time for change. Everybody needs to constantly change. Now, when I'm talking about change, I'm talking about, let's say, character traits, right? People are, are, are either are born with certain character traits or they create certain character traits amongst themselves. There are some people that make themselves stingy. Some people make themselves angry. Some people make themselves happy. And it goes all the way around. Some people make themselves very polite and very kind. And it goes vice versa. So, um, the, the, the goal is, is always to make yourself a better person. Now, what people don't realize is that people don't even think about it. If, let's say someone's an angry person and someone's a stingy person. So he's like, okay, fine, I have to deal with it. I know I have to deal with it. They don't realize that that is considered a sin. A person has to do chuba. A person actually, actually repent on, on bad character traits. Which is very, you know, which is very scary and very, you know, to think about it. So, there is a um, there is there is an idea 
that that I'm sorry, even 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 I I can't uh, focus on it because it's such a big fly. It's huge. It's unbelievable. And maybe it's pregnant. So uh, <laughs> yeah, see it went away. See the second that we it gets us to interrupt, then it goes away. And we're gonna start learning again. It's gonna come right back again. Okay. What? Got yeah, right. That's, yeah. <laughs> okay. So the idea is is that is that people people need to people need to, to figure out that they need to change. Now a lot of people say it's a big problem, and we're going to be speaking about Bizat Hashem. The goal is uh, after Sukkot sometime to make a whole series about dating and, and finding the right spouse and how do you know it, find the right spouse. We're going to Bizat Hashem will do a whole series, and that's the goal. But one of the things that it's our, I'm, I'm reading up upon it now. And one of the, one of the things is that people will come to marriage. We'll speak about it more in depth then. But people come to marriage being like, "This is me," you know. You don't like it? Leave. You know, I'm not changing. You know, like a strong, independent woman, I am standing my ground. Right? <laughs> you will walk or you'll follow my path. And that is a very incorrect approach because a person needs to constantly change. You need to constantly grow. If you're not growing, then what are you doing? You're just you know you're just hovering you know above uh, above water. So. The, uh, and many people come also, the, you know, I was born this way. Uh, when, it doesn't matter, you can change anything. Any character trait that you have, sometimes it's harder, and sometimes it's easier, uh, but it can be changed. It can be changed, and, and we're going to go through different ideas on, on how to actually change. Now, we're going to speak about it in an aspect of sort of a chuva uh, um, aspect, but it goes across the board on the character traits. It doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a character deficit, or if it's a uh, you know, monetary deficit, you know, like you, you owe somebody money and you're not paying it, or it's something against God, or something, you know, against a Torah. It doesn't matter what it is. The same principles apply across the board. So there is, um, it's very interesting because I, um, I, I was listening to Vavitsa uh, Kvangel, whoever, whoever, whoever understands Hebrew should listen to him. He's an amazing, amazing speaker um, and uh, from Israel. So he said this very interesting story uh, and, you know, and, and it really brings a point home. When he said there was once a kid and this kid was, uh, you know, was in his 20s, and he was just wasting his life away. He was not working, he was not, he was just like partying, and then, you know, sleeping late, and his father just got fed up. He's like, it's enough already, what are you, what are you doing with your life? So his father goes to him and says, that's it, tomorrow, get a job. You, you gotta get a job or you're out of the house. He's like, you're, you're, you're waking up at noon, you're going to sleep at 3 a.m., this, this is not the way you're supposed, to, you're supposed to live your life, get a job or get out. So he goes over to his mother, and he says, uh, listen, you know, Mom, you know, what am I supposed to, you know, how am I supposed to, uh, you know, you know, figure out the mother is always the softer one. Is always the one that's, that's, uh, easier to, to manipulate if you want to say that. So, he says, he says, uh, um, he goes to his mother, and his mother says, um, you know, you're right. He goes to his mother and says, listen, mom, you know, I'm very tired. How am I supposed to work? I wake up at 12. And she's like, yeah, I know, I know. It's like, life is not so easy for me. And, you know, I have to, I have to wake up at, you know, I have to, you know, find my friends. And we have always this drama. And she's like, yeah, you know, son, you're right, you're right. She's like, you know what, take it like this. It's like, you go um, out. And then when you come home, I'm going to give you like $100. And you go and you give it to dad and say, here, I work today. Here's my money. Here's the money that I make. So he said, fine. He goes and he parties or whatever, whatever he does in, in, in the day. He comes home at, uh, later in the afternoon. He goes to his mother. Mother cooks. He slips him 100 He goes to dad. He says, hey, dad, listen, I had a long day at work today. He puts $100 on the table. This is what I made today. So the father goes over to him and he goes, bam, smacks him in his face. He flies across the room. He's like, what, are you, what happened? He's like, you liar. Don't lie to me. And he's like, oh man, how did he know? You know, you know, I didn't say anything. And he goes and, and, uh, the next day he goes to his mother and says, you know, his mother's like, you fool, but you can't, he probably saw you in the streets hanging out. He says, if you go, if you go out, at least go out where he can't see you. So he says, okay, fine, you know, figures, if it gets some, like, some corner of a beach or something. He goes and, uh, the next, uh, the next day he goes, he hangs out, he comes right before her mother gives him a hundred dollars, and he goes, and he goes to dad, he puts a hundred dollars on the table and says, hey dad, 
I worked today, made a hundred bucks, you know, and he starts flinching. And the father looks at the, you know, catches him off guard, and the other side, bam, smacks him across the face, he goes flying again. He's like, don't you ever lie to your father again. And, and he's like, oh, he's like, oh my god, what's going on? How's he, you know, alright, the next day he gets so scared, he gets up and he goes finds a job. And he goes finds a job, and, you know, he make, he works all day, and he makes also a hundred dollars. He comes, he comes home, and he, after the whole day of work, he puts down a hundred dollars on the table, and he says, dad, I work today, here's a hundred dollars. The father goes like this, and the guy's like, no, 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 this time I'm saying the truth. This time I really did, I really, I, I really worked. So the father starts smiling, he says, you see the difference? Says when you work for something, when you work for something, you appreciate it more. Beforehand, you wouldn't, you, you couldn't even go and go through with your lie. But now that you had to actually work for it, all of a sudden, oh, you know, oh no, no, no. You know, no, I, I really did it. When somebody works on themselves to change themselves, it means a lot more to them. If somebody had a, and that's why if you see somebody who actually worked on something, and they really worked on something, they're usually, if let's say there was an anger issue, they're usually less angry than regular people. If they really work on themselves, I'm not talking about people that, you know, like sort of work on it every Tuesday, you know, they decide to work on it. But people that really, really worked on themselves, they, they're, they're, they're so much better than they were before that they're better than the average regular person. Because they appreciate so much what you work for. And that's why it's a lot of uh, people, even families that have a lot of money, they'll tell their kids, no, I want you to work, which is a very good canoe because you're not going to be able to appreciate money. You're not going to be able to appreciate it. When you work for something, you appreciate it more. The same thing is for character traits. When you have to work and build something, you, you appreciate it. You appreciate it better. If you were once a very uh, tough person to be around and you worked really hard and liking everybody, you're a jealous person. And you, you worked in it, 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 it changes a lot about you and, it, and you, you hold that very dearly. Now, the Chavot al-Vavot, speaks about and he says that um, there are seven prerequisites to change. There's seven prerequisites for Chuba. Now, one of them, we're gonna let's go through all seven of them. So Bohem, a lot of concentration today we have. <laughs> so uh, um, there is uh, number one is the person has to know a hundred percent that he did something wrong. Uh, if a person doesn't think they did anything wrong, then they won't they won't really change per se. They're not gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna you know they're like all right it's not so bad or it's you know not as bad as I thought it was. But if a person knows that it's a disgraceful act, then he will they're they're gonna he's gonna do some serious uh, changing some serious shuba. It says in the pasuk in Tehillim, chapter fifty-one, verse five. It says, I know my my pashai. I know my transgressions. When you know your transgressions, you have a much stronger ability to actually go and do tshuva. I think this is a, a a thing in um I don't know if it's an AA or something like that, but you have to one of the first processes is admitting that you have a problem. Is that I think that's AA. No one has to be like yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, how do you know? <laughs> no, but but uh, um, I, I'm pretty sure it's it's in one of those programs that the first process is admitting. You you admit you have you have you have, uh, you have an issue. When a person admits that he did a sin, then you know you're step one for for process for chuba. Problem is there are many people they don't consider it a sin or whatever. If they live, it's not so bad. They're, those people are never going to do they're never going to do chuba. The same person as let's say he's always drinking, but he doesn't think he has a problem will never change. When do you change? Once you realize that you have a problem. So step one. For chuva, for change, is to realize that you have a problem. This goes again for character traits. If let's say you're an angry person, but you don't think you're an angry person, then you have a very big problem. Because then you have a big issue. You think everybody else is crazy, and really you're crazy, and now everybody has to deal with you, and you're never going to change. Number two is that um, oh, actually before we go to number two, number one, this comes into effect where there's a lot of people that they do certain things that they don't even think is a problem. Um, a, an example, let's say for a man, he's supposed to learn Torah. And if he has free time, he has to learn Torah. If he doesn't learn Torah, it's called Bitul Torah. And he, and he gets punished for that. You need to sit and learn Torah. But he thinks, okay, what's the big deal? I want to, you know, so I spend one Sunday 
for like 16 hours playing video games. Well, you know, guys, all, yeah, I work very hard. Yeah, I got to chill out. I got to relax. Yeah, they, they spend the whole time just relaxing with video games, uh, you know, hours and hours on end. So, other very common issues are also, uh, for example, jealousy. Jealousy is something a very, uh, I find it very hard because there are people, let's say one friend goes to another friend, I'll be like, oh, I just bought this, whatever. And the other friend will be like, oh, wow, you got it? Oh, I'm so jealous. And, and the other friend feels so good. Yeah, my friend's jealous. Yeah, I feel, you know, I got it. You know, I'm like, what's going on over here? How does this even work? You have somebody who, you know, that, that you feel good when somebody else is jealous and they're not even embarrassed that they're jealous. They'll tell you, oh yeah, yeah, I'm so jealous. I can't believe I did that. It always bothered me that, uh, hearing that and I'm like, I'm like, I don't understand why, what does that mean that you're so jealous? That's such a bad thing. It's just like saying, you know, like every time, like, so, like oh, I'm such a stingy person. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you announcing your sins and, and faults to everybody else? Why are you announcing your jealousy to everybody else? People don't think that it's a problem. Mm-hmm. And people not only don't think it's a problem, in a certain sense, sometimes people think it as a compliment. Oh, I feel good. I feel good. Yeah, she's jealous. Of both, you know, both of them. You know, I made it. You know. So, you know, which, which is a, it's, a, it's, it's very odd. These types of things that the people think that they're not doing anything wrong. If they're not doing anything wrong, then they, they'll, never, they'll never change. Another thing is hatred. People bear hatred in their heart. A lot, so much hatred. I you hear what people say about other people. Oh my gosh, you, you think, you know, like, uh, people are good people outside, but inside when they open up, oh, I hate it. Oh, this person, terrible. Poof, you don't even know the bad about that person. I'll oh, forget about it. I was speaking to somebody recently. I don't think he said one good thing about any, any, anybody. Anybody they spoke about, not one good thing. I'm like, you know, you know, God help him. You know, he doesn't see good in anything. His terrible life. You know, that he's constantly seeing the negative on everything. And then it leads to bearing hatred. People bear hatred. And they think, what's the problem? I didn't do anything to him, so I don't, I, you know, I don't like his face, you know? I don't know, she always dresses better than me and it drives me crazy. Whatever it is, that it bothers the person inside, and because it bothers the person inside, he thinks he's not having a problem, where in essence it's a very big problem. So this is another thing that people don't realize that it's an issue. Another issue is also is arrogance. It's a very, uh, very big issue nowadays, at least from the men's side. People are so arrogant. People have so much pride. People that have nothing also have so much pride, which is which is very interesting. Sometimes it's even it's even more than the people have a lot. People that pretend to have a lot have even the most most pride because they they feel like they deserve everything. But again, they don't think that it's a, it's an issue. Okay, let's move on to number two. No, the next uh, prerequisite, let's call it prerequisites for repentance slash change. Number two is that a person has to understand the seriousness, the gravity of his either the sin or the or the character trait. Which means is is if it's not clear to him that it's so bad, then it's not going to change. Besides, he can know that, okay, I know it's wrong. But, uh, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, it's, uh, 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 right? That's how Jewish people sometimes speak. So, <laughs> just by uh, sounding out vowels. So, um, there, there's, uh, you know, if somebody doesn't feel that it's a bet, and if, if let's say someone sins against God, a person should, should think that there's nothing raw, worse than not listening to the creator of the world. And if a person, even if you don't think that it's bad, you're not listening to him. If you're not listening to him, that's a big problem. If you're an angry person, you're not listening to him. Right? It says, whoever is, gets angry is as if he served idols. Now, number three is that he realizes that, or she realizes, that there is a punishment awaiting. Oh, you ever realize that when do people feel bad about something that they did wrong is when they get caught. Like somebody, is, let's say, is a drug dealer. He is enjoying life. He is living it up. He is he's doing everything great. And, you know, no regrets. Nothing. All of a sudden, after 20 years, you know, and he has all this money, all of a sudden he starts feeling, you know, like, uh, you know, and he gets busted. That's when he's like, oh, man, what did I do? What did I, you know, what did I, when does, when, does that, when does that come when he gets caught? That's when the problems come. However, this is a person should always think that, you know, you're caught already. God sees everything. Bad character traits. Bad, uh, bad uh, problems that you cause. Sins that you do. Anything that, everything that happens, you're already caught. It's it. It's game over already. Unless you change. Number four, a person has to realize that nothing is forgotten. 
People think, okay, well, you know, I don't remember it, so how am I supposed to do repentance? That's a problem also when people push off. And people come, you know how many times I get that people come and they tell me that, uh, you know, what am I supposed to do? Um, uh, you'd be surprised how many times I get it. The, you know, I've, uh, you know, done insurance scams or something like that. Then when I was younger, I wasn't really, didn't care so much. And I cheated out some companies out of some money. What am I supposed to do now? So, whatever, there's a process that a person has to do. But, but at the end of the day, it's like, why did you wait so long? Why do you wait so long? You, you have to realize that if you realize your punishment is pending, it's there. The more you push it off, the greater it gets, but the earlier you get, the, you'll, you'll be able to get rid of it much quicker. Number five. Number five is that you have to know 100%, like not 1,000% that you can change. You can change. No matter, you can do repentance, you can change. If you don't feel that you can change, you're done. You're, you're over. Yeah, this is what, there's, um, there are certain companies, like, like high-end companies, even if they're hiring people, especially in the sales, uh, um, department, they'll, sometimes they'll have a criteria, says you want to work for us? You gotta drive like a Mercedes. You gotta drive like a high-end car. The guy says, oh, well, you know, I don't really want to spend my money on that. I'm like, well, this part of the job criteria. You got paid X amount of money, we pay a little extra for this, but you have to drive a nice car. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing. So, he says, you know what, I need the job, what am I supposed to do? Okay, fine, let me take it, let me, uh, you know, let me do it. And, huh? Job is it? I'll send it over. <laughs> yeah, right. So there are there are certain there, and you'll you'll see the reason why it's actually pretty smart. So so they go and they make the people get a nice. Now what happens? This guy was driving you know an old car, and all of a sudden he gets a nice car, right? So the first day that he drives it, he's like you know his wife is like you know what, what's up with this? You know we're trying to pay tuitions or we're trying to do this. All of a sudden you're buying, you're buying this expensive. He's like no, it's not for me. You know I didn't want to buy it. I really don't want it. But my you know I need the job. This is what the you know this is the whole thing that I could uh, offer. So you, the first time that you sit in the car, you know let's say it's a Mercedes, you're sitting in there. All of a sudden you feel a little better. Like, oh, I'm driving a Mercedes. You know, even though it's a lease and it's not even yours and the company's paying for part of it, whatever it is, you feel a little better about it. You park it in your driveway, you know, and you walk past by, you'll be like, yeah, yeah, it's my Mercedes. What was this junk car? Uh, get that car away. It's going to be next to my, my Mercedes. All of a sudden, you know, your ego gets a little, you know, boosted up. And that's why, if you ever realize that rental companies in the olden days used to have stickers of the rental company on their car. Nowadays they don't have it anymore. They don't have any more because no, uh, it's not a rental. You know, come on, a rental. People like to feel like you know this is mine, even though I rented it for one day or six hours. I want to feel like it's mine, and that's why you usually don't see Avis or Hertz on the cars plastered anymore. Where in the, you know, I remember uh, a few years ago, that's how it used to be. So this guy goes, drives a Mercedes. Within a week, he is already like his ego and like his self-esteem. What he really went up? What are you talking about? Driving Mercedes. He drives into the first time, be like, oh, I deserve this. This is what he mean. This is it. And all of a sudden, his, his self-esteem is up, which means why did the company do that? Because now he was over here, self-esteem is up there. It's going to be much easier for him to sell something. You know? Slaps his keys on the table. And be like, yeah, twirls it in the thing. What was that? Yeah, this is a great, this is a great purchase. And you know, he's able to do a lot more because the self-esteem is higher. So why, what changed? His belief in himself all of a sudden just went up. When you believe in yourself, when you believe that you can change, you can actually change it. The worst thing that you can do is thinking that you can't change. You cannot repent. And there are many people that say, listen, I've done so many sins, it's done. It's over. I don't know how many times, uh, um, you know, that I've heard, and I, I wish I could, I could make this up that it wasn't a lot, but it's constantly, like, Rabbi, I'm going to hell, so what's the difference? You know, just, let's go with it, you know? And be like, first of all, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm sorry for telling you that, but that's really stupid. It's like somebody who got a scratch on his hand and be like, well, this hand is done. You got a sore? What am I supposed to do with blood everywhere over here? Like, what does one thing have to do with another? Why, if you're already going to hell, so why you, would you dig yourself even a, di- a deeper hole? But, but the, the bigger issue is, is that you think so. You can't change. Everybody could do a chuvad. You could change. You could change your character. You could change it. You could change your past. You can change anything. But number one thing is you have to realize that you can't do it. If you don't realize you can't do it, you're not going to do it. Number, where up? number six. 
Number six is a person, what helps also is to a person realize how much good God has given that person. God has given good to everybody. If you can't see it, that means you have to look inside about why you can't see any good. Because God is giving good to everybody. And the problem is most people can't see it sometimes because they're too self-involved in all the bad that is happening in their life. And number seven, the final one, is a person has to, has to realize and has to pick up the strength that he has in order to overcome the suffering that he is going to have to do. Because now, if somebody is used to a sin or is used to a certain character trait, it's hard to overcome it. It's not so simple to overcome it. So if a person has to go and overcome it, he has to, he has to go through some suffering. And he has to still go through, so when he's doing the chuvah, he's doing the repentance, he has to realize, I'm, I'm ready to go through this, with this. I'm ready to do it. Somebody who gets off of drugs, right? Someone who's, a, who's, a, who's an addict and gets off drugs, he has to go through some suffering. And that's why they usually have rehab, right? For detox. Detox is very painful. A person has to realize if a person has, has, is going to change, it's going to be difficult for some times. And a person has to be able to go through with that. Okay, there is... Um, Okay, so let's, uh, let's move on. Any questions on those? Those are the seven prerequisites that the Chavot Al-Avavot bring on the, it, for, for Tshuva, and you could also bring it on to okay. change as well. I'm so sorry. What was six and seven? Six, uh, number, number seven is, is that you ha- will be able to bear the suffering, mm-hmm. which means is the suffering that is that you have to, it's hard for you to, to, you know, to stop doing what you're doing or to start doing what you didn't do. And number six is to always uh, do a spiritual accounting of, you know, how much good God has done for you. Now, it says that uh, the Rambam in the speaks about it. It says that a person, each person has, has, has a scale, right? On one side he has merits, on one side he has, uh, has sins. If the sins exceeds the merits, then he is signed immediately for death, right? And if his, his uh, merits in, exceeds his sins, then he's signed immediately for life. And I heard an interesting uh, uh, you know, understanding that. What does that mean? You see many, many you know, sinners that they live out their life. And you see many righteous people that they die out. And I heard a very interesting interpretation that, that you look at these people, it, it's not specifically talking about if you're going to live or die per se. In, in essence it is. But per se, it also it's talking about how you live life. There are many people that are alive, but they're dead inside. They're dead. And, and I, know, I know actually quite a few of these types of people. They're, they're done. They're, they, and, and some of them just want to end it. They don't, they don't want, some of them don't, and some of them just are going through so much, so much whatever, that it's done. Their life is over. That's a person that didn't actually go and live through life. They didn't, he didn't, but then you have somebody else who is going through, you know, um, a lot of troubles also, but he's living life. It doesn't matter. He's still happy. He's still able to push through. So there's a difference. You want it, there's living life and there's living life. You can live life and be alive and you can live life and be dead inside. There's, um, there's also something very interesting is, is, and this is so, it's such an important, uh, um, idea in Judaism is, is, it says that you have, you have, um, the book of dead and the book of life open in front of you, in front of God, right? And God judges for, for, uh, for the dead and for the living. Now the obvious question, I think we spoke about this briefly at once, is, alright, we know about the people that are alive, that's why they have to get judged, and that's why they have to, you know, but what, what are the people that are dead? People that are dead, are dead. What are they? If somebody can be dead a thousand years. He's still getting judged, or she's still getting judged, which makes you wonder what's going on. Why is a person getting judged again if he's if he's uh, if he's dead? So the answer is is that when you when you do something, there's always a ripple effect. I think the the term is a butterfly effect, if I'm not mistaken. Which means is if you do one action, it results in so many other actions. If you do another action, it results in so many other actions. Now, if you do one action. And it's a mitzvah, and because of that, you have now another few hundred people did uh, a mitzvah or whatever that, you get reward for that. If, and this could be even if you're not in, in, in alive anymore. You could be, you could have been, not you, somebody could have been dead already for a hundred years, but he's still getting reward. You look at, let's say, for the Rambam, for example. Rambam, or, or you know, the Chafetz Chaim, where you have certain people that they wrote Sfarim, and it's in every single house. 
constantly being read. Every time you read the Rambam, every time you read the Chafetz Chaim, it goes reward to him. It goes reward. He gets he he, he put it in, which is unbelievable. I, I heard because um, the Chafetz Chaim's uh, um, yertai was was recently. I heard that there is a certain Hasidut, I forgot which one it is that they require that like part of their their curriculum is one hour a day learn Mishnah Bura, which is what the Chafetz Chaim wrote. Which means is. And they're all over the world. Which means is that any given 24-hour period, there's most likely somebody learning Mishnah Bura throughout the entire day, throughout the entire year. Which is ridiculous if you think about the amount of, uh, you know, uh, the amount. So people are able to earn literally endless reward. And they're also able to reward, uh, to earn endless punishment. If a person goes and decides to introduce a cult, and because of that, the cult goes off. Messianic cult, let's say. Or even, even now, let's say, let's say you talk about JC, right? He, whether he started or is, for, for generations and generations, constantly, so many people are sinning, 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 and it's all going to that person. That's why the dead are also getting judged. The dead are also getting, getting judged. So if you're smart, this is why a lot of people, they're smart, they look at it, what do they go into? They go into Kiruv. Why do they go into Kiruv? Because this is, this is the biggest money-making business. Not, not money as in dollar signs, but in the next world money-making business. It's going to be bringing the biggest reward. Why? Because if you, if you help one person come bring back Chuba, then that person goes, and now he's religious, or she's religious, now they're going to have children, they're going to be religious, and it goes for generations to generations to come, so it spreads like wildfire. This is also why, you know, um, with social media, it's so easy now. You, you, send, you, send, uh, you send one uh, shield to, uh, let's say, a group, and let's say, you know, you have 100 people in the group, so let's say 20 people watch it, or listen to it, or hear it, all your reward. Right? There are many people that they vote. I, I was actually speaking to somebody not too long ago. What does he do? He learns for a few hours a day, and the rest of the day he does kiruv on, on all these social media things. And he goes, he works with different rabbis, and he does this, and donates his time, constantly just, you know, helping, helping spread the Torah, which is unbelievable. He's getting an unbelievable amount of reward. He's capitalizing it, very smart. So now, there is... Um... Okay. There's also something very important, and I want to I want to go through a few more points on the Rambam's tshuva, and then we're going to go into the back into like uh, the character traits. The the Rambam says that you know let's say somebody goes and um, he you know regrets all the good that he did. He had you know he had a he had a you know he was living life you know uh, uh, the way of the Torah, and then what happens is let's say he's you know he's 50 years old, he decides he's going to learn all day. He's going to learn all day, and for 30 years, 40 years, he's sitting and learning all day. And meanwhile, his friends from high school, he meets up with them, and he sees this guy, you know, he doesn't keep Torah, doesn't keep Torah, it's fault. And, you know, he's a nice, bold, shiny head, but he is, you know, he's, his wife is, is a 20-year-old model, and he's sitting there driving all these sports cars, constantly going on vacation, and he's thinking, you know, like, this is my friend. He wanted to go into business with me. He says, imagine I would have gone into business with him. He says, why did I waste all my years learning Torah? Why did I waste all that time? Imagine I could have done that. If the person goes and regrets all the good that he has done, or she has done, you lose it. It's done. You lost it. Everything. To a certain extent. Does it have to be like, like, do you have to say it? Or if it's a fleeing thought, a fleeing thought never counts as a, as a thought. Even if, let's say somebody goes and somebody's collecting charity. And you're thinking, you know, they tell you a really sad story. And then you're like, you know, oh my God, I want to give a thousand dollars in your mind. And then, you know, he's going around collecting closer and closer. And you're like, what am I, crazy? A thousand dollars? This guy doesn't deserve a thousand dollars. Five hundred dollars is enough. Hey? And, and then he's still collecting. He's going to get up to you and be like, you know, I don't have five hundred dollars when I gave him a check, a credit card. Maybe he's a, you know what? A hundred dollars. That's going to be good. And it's, it's constantly going through your mind, a fleeting thought. And uh, by the time he comes to you, you give him a dollar. Right? And then you get upset that he didn't say thank you. Right? And then, but, but that's not a problem. 
When is it a problem? Is it a problem because it's a constantly fleeting thoughts. Like I give him five thousand. You did. You have five hundred. A hundred. Uh, you know. And you keep on changing in your mind. It's not considered like you already. You know, made a decision. When is it considered made a decision if you made a decision in your mind or you said it out loud? Which means is you're like, no. Okay, I'm hundred percent going to give him five dollars. That's what I'm. And you're, you're focusing. Not not like you're bouncing back and forth. There's sometimes that fleeting thoughts come through a person's uh, uh, you know mind, and you know. And some people are a little psychotic, and, and there's some crazy thoughts. And some people are normal and have psychotic thoughts sometimes, which is which is not the, out of the ordinary. Um, people get really scared, be like, I don't know why I have these weird thoughts. It just come down, I push it away. I don't know what, what's going on. Um, you know, I see a knife, and I just want to like, oh, I don't know, I have to put it off. I don't know what's going on. I, people tell me very interesting things. So, uh, um, but the idea is, it's it's you know, it's fleeting thoughts. Fleeting thoughts don't don't necessarily count in this matter. It only counts when you make a when you make a decision. When you you know you decide it. So make a decision, and then in turn have an action coming from that decision. For this no one, action you don't have to. In this regret. in this thing, you could just have a hundred percent regret. I'm talking about a hundred percent regret. That's enough. You don't have to have an action. How and do you know if it's a hundred percent. If like it's in your mind, you're like. Oh, I should've, I should've just become like them, and you're thinking it, and... So, it, know you know if that's... You know it's, if it's like, you know, like, you, you know, it's like, it's like, if you would do it over again, you would do it completely different, you wouldn't even go into that, and, and you wouldn't, and you know, it's it's like, it's, you're filled with regret, as if you're like doing tshuva on the, on the mitzvot that you did, the opposite, right? So if you, if a person goes and regrets, let's say this is a good example, there are people that go to Israel, let's say for, for two years or three years, especially the boys, to learn, and then they're thinking, you know, well, what, why did I waste the time? I could've been like halfway through college. You know, and they really regret it. Be like, I can't believe I'm an idiot. Why did I go and waste time learning to I could have, I could have done all this thing. They lose, they lose their reward. Which is, how does it work that way? Because it works the same way with tshuva. If you think about it, tshuva is you did a sin. You'd be like, oh my god, I feel so bad. I regret about it. So it erases. It go. It's an equal world. It's equal balance. So there is, um, there's also something very interesting. This is the part I want to, I want to focus on. There is the Rambam says he says that a person should always look at himself as he's fifty fifty. You're 50-50, and if you do a mitzvah, you're going to be a righteous. If you do a vera, you're going to do a wicked. So, example, you're unlike the, you're, you have mitzvot, and you have sins. By the way, this is not by uh, quantity, it's by quality of the mitzvot and the sins. For example, is a person could have, um, you know, a person could have done, uh, you know, many, many sins, but then one great mitzvah, and that will outweigh all the other sins. A person could have done many, many mitzvot, but then like, you know, mass murder. So obviously it's like gonna, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna balance out not by, you know, quota one for one, but, but in, in terms of weight and how much it's worth. Now, the, um, if a, a person should always look at, this is such an important, this will help you like in life so much if you are able to internalize this. You have, you always think of yourself as 50-50. Which means if you do one thing, you make one bracha, that's it, you're already at tzaddik. You miss the bracha, that's it, you're rasha. Every single option is just like that. And, and more than that, the Rambam goes. He says, the entire world is 50-50. And it, everything boils down to your next action. What are you going to do? Because the world is also judged in that way. If you do something good, the entire world all of a sudden gets into merits. It's, 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 uh, decreed for a good year. If it's, if you do something bad, the entire world is gonna, is going to do that. Now, I wanna explain that. I wanna share with you, first of all, a very interesting, I'm, I saw a Chacham of Adya Yosef, um, he, I saw a video clip recently of him when he was younger, and he was saying over this, uh, um, he was speaking over about this, and so he said, that, you know, there was once a, a, somebody who came over to a rabbi, and he tells the rabbi, he says, uh, rabbi, tell me, he says, am I a tzaddik or a rasha? Am I righteous or wicked? So the rabbi says, you, you're 50-50. Go do one thing, and then you'll be a tzaddik. So the, so the guy says, really? One, one thing, that's all I have to do, and I'll be a tzaddik? So he says, one thing, and you'll be a tzaddik. So the guy says, okay. He goes, he takes the Gemara, he goes to the Bet Midash, and he starts opening up, and he starts learning. For one hour straight, non-stop, with the, he's like sweating with the learning. He finishes, he doesn't use an hour, crazy. Close the Gemara, runs back to the tzaddik. He says, tzaddik, ha-ham. He says, tell me, he says, I just learned for one hour. Tell me, so now, now I'm a tzaddik, right? 
So the rabbi says, to be honest, no, now you're 50-50. Before, you're, well, I can't tell you, you're, not, you know, you're a little bit below, but now that you learned, you're 50, do one more thing, and then you're at Sadiq. So he says, just one more thing. So the guy says, yeah, one more thing. So the guy runs, he thinks what he's going to do. He runs to the nearest hospital. He goes to the hospital for one hour. He's running and helping patients. He's making them, giving massages. He's like doing everything. Like he's sweating. His, his bones are aching. He's like, all right, it's an hour. Let me run back to the Sadiq. He runs back to the Sadiq, and he tells the Sadiq, okay, listen. He says, I, I just spent an hour on doing, uh, you know, Cholego theme, Matira Surim. I, I done everything in the hospital. Who knows what I was, but you know, I gave surgery. Who knows what I did? So he goes and he says, uh, so now I'm at Sadiq, right? So the, the, the righteous says, 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 to be honest, no, but, but now, now you're righteous. Now you're really righteous. Now, now, before, I, I wasn't able to, you know, how do you tell somebody? Now you're 50-50. Just do one more thing and you're righteous. The rabbi said, come on, you told me that already. No, 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 now for real. Now for real. Now one thing, well, just one thing and you're already righteous. It's fine. He runs home. He does something. You know, his, his parents are old. You know, they're, they're, you know, they keep on screaming at him. He goes in. He takes all the screaming. He's helping them for an hour. He's like, oh, what a day. At least now I'm a tzaddik. He goes, runs over back to the chacham and tzaddik. And he says, rabbi, so now, I'm a tzaddik, right? So the rabbi says, no, you're still 50-50. And he says, a person should always think of themselves that they're 50-50. Even if they go and they do something good, you're still the 50-50 state. Because if you realize, if you think of that life, that you're always going to be 50-50, then you'll be able to go and you'll be able to do one little thing. It's very easy if you know one thing is worth so much. If you know this little next thing is going to be worth so much, you're going to have the ability. I'll give an example for the guys and I'll give an example for the girls. Let's say for the guy, a guy is walking out in the street and he knows, you know, I have to watch my eyes. I have to go and watch my eyes. But it's so difficult. But if he knows... All he has to do to consider righteous is from where he's going now to his destination, he watches his eyes and he's good. And then he knows that, that he's a tzaddik, it'll be much easier to, much easier to accomplish. Let's say a girl, a girl, uh, I don't know, she wants to, um, you know, she has two options. She wants to say tehillim or she wants to go and watch a movie. And she's, you know, she's really struggling. She, but if she thinks, she's like, right now I'm 50-50. If I watch the movie, uh, you know, I'm going to go down. If I say tehillim, I'm going to be a righteous, you know. So it's much easier to push yourself, to change yourself when you know you're at the 50-50 state. Says the Rambam, a person should always think of himself as 50-50. Now, I want to explain, what does that mean? You know, I said that, oh, the whole world, consider you are like 50-50, and your, base, every, your actions is based on the whole world. Which means is, whatever you do is going to be the resulting action of the, of the, whole, of the entire world. Now, listen to me for the, uh, for the next like, few minutes. You have to, actually, I'll make it short, but you have to stay with me for, for a little bit. There is uh, the, in Bereshit, it says in chapter 1, verse 26, it says, God said, let us make man. And the obvious question that everyone asks us is, what does it mean, us? It should have said, and, and Moshe asked this, Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, Ese Adam. He says, did you, why did you write, you know, God said, let us make man. When, when Moshe was writing it twice, he says, uh, you know, this is going to cause people to think there's more than one God. What's let's? Let us. What's let us? It should be, I'm going to make man. What is Ne'ase Adam? Says the, you got the question? Clear? Says the Arizal. Arizal said, he says, no, no, no. He says, God wanted the entire creation, all of the universe, to participate, to donate a piece of themselves into creating man. Which means that man has a piece of everything. And we can see that inside. How, how does man have a piece of angels, for example? A man has a piece of angels because he has knowledge. More like angels. Animals don't have knowledge. Plants, we have the ability of knowledge. We have the ability to go above and beyond what other, other creations do not. What do we have a uh, creation of God? What, there's one thing that humans and God, well there's many, but I'm saying that sheer in common, that no, nothing else, not even angels sheer. And that is free will. We're the only creation that has free will, and God is also the only one that has free will. That, 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 in a sense, I know we can't, uh, whatever. But, uh, um, so, so we are in a sense, have everything in, in the whole entire creation is in us. 
The whole entire creation. This is why, if you realize, there's a pasuk in Bereshit, chapter 1, verse 31. It says, tov me'ot. He says, and God saw all, after the creation, after he finished the creation, he looks at everything, and he says, you know what? I see it's very good. Tov me'ot. The obvious question is, what's the me'ot? What's the extra part of the ma'od? It could have just been tov. Everything I see is really good. Why is it? Why does it have to be tov ma'od? Very good. If you, if, if, um, if you read Hebrew, you take the word ma'od and you scramble the letters, it mixes, it says Adam. It says the whole point of creation was for a human being. It says, you know why this thing is tov ma'od? Because it's ma'od, it's Adam. The whole purpose of creation, the whole purpose of the whole world, the whole universe is for you, for a human being. You're a human being, you're created the entire world, the whole world is in you. You do a mitzvah, you fix the whole world, in a sense. You, you give a tikkun. Because everything is, a, that's why, if you realize in Rosh Hashanah, we, we, when we pray, we say, you know, all the angels are nervous and screaming, oh, hine yom adin, the day of judgment is coming. Why is everyone screaming? Who can, what are the angels? What do the angels get upon? And the answer is because the angels gave a part of them to you. And they get reward and punished based on your judgment and punishment. Says the Shvile Pinchas, he explains it, and he says, a person gets, you have the entire creation on the world. Entire creation is in you. When you do something good, the whole world benefits. When you do something bad, the whole, the whole world, you know, suffers because of it. This is, this is now we can go back and we can understand what we said before, that if you, you're in 50-50, and if you do something good, the whole world, now it makes a lot of perfect sense. It says, because you are the world. You are the creation. The whole purpose of the world is for you. Now, there is, uh, yes? So, according to what you said, we were created from the whole world, right? Like, a piece of the world, yes. right? Is kind of, mm-hmm. uh, the boundary is that thing called Amidrab Yeah. So, if we are the world, world and like how is everything created for us? which it works perfect means that it's for me because I am the world because everything because that's exactly it because you are the world and that's why the world was created for you because the whole purpose is for you which, which, you know, which, which just brings the point even stronger and if a person thinks about that they realize that there, there are consequences to their actions are very, very, you know, heavy. It's not just like, you know, like, oh, let's wing it, you know, whatever. I'll live life. I'll see how it is. Okay? Usually people that wing it usually don't have the, the you know, happiest of lives. No, not always. So, there is, um, yeah, okay. So, uh, let's move on. It's getting late and I actually, oh no, we have, we have a little, little more time. Okay, not that long. Okay. So now, there is, um, where were we? Finish this. Okay. There is, um, Something that I wanted to speak about. Okay. Alright. So, here's an interesting question, and it affects the, you know, Baal Shuvah, I ask it all the time. What do you think is greater? A Baal Shuvah or a Tzaddik? Which means is, who is greater? Somebody who never sinned before, or somebody who sinned and done Shuvah? So, there is a, I, I believe it's a Gemara. It says, Bamakom Omdim, Gmurim Omdim. Right, which means is in a place where Baal Shuvah stand, righteous people don't stand. But says the Chavot al-Bavot, he clarifies it. What do you mean? So you have here a, 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 a righteous person, righteous from birth, uh, non-stop, you know, does everything in the top line. Then you have somebody else who done the worst, worst sins and then does Shuvah. And he's even higher than somebody who worked so hard on himself. So it depends. And we're going to explain that. This is a very, uh, you know, important, uh, a lot of people ask this, uh, this question. So it's always good to know the answer to it. The Chavot al-Bavot explains it. It says there's three categories. There's a category where the Baal Shuvah is greater. There's a category where they're equal, and there's a category where the tzaddik is greater. Now, when is the Baal Shuvah, when is the, when is the, let's start again, when are they, um, when are they equal? They're equal, if let's say the, the sinner, what did he sin in? He sinned in not doing something, uh, uh, he was supposed to do a positive commandment, and he didn't do the positive commandment. Because of that, 
he now he he sinned. That's considered a sin. Let's say he was supposed to put on tefillin. He didn't put on tefillin, and then he goes and repents. When he repents and he does a full repentance, he is considered as if he's never sinned before. He's on the same level as a righteous person. They're equal in that in that sense. However, let's say somebody sinned and they sin, they sinned in a, a negative commandment, not a karet, not something that's chayv mita, but something that's just a, a, a negative commandment that's not a, the severe negative commandment. So for this person, what happens is, he goes and he feels so bad that he did something against God, like, bad, you know, a negative commandment, that he's constantly doing tshuva, and he's constantly living his life with, with, you know, this humility, this, this, uh, this, uh, you know, um, this, this, you know, the fear is always over, the sin is always, you know, over him, and he's constantly doing tshuva on it, and he's constantly, constantly has this humility in it, this person is considered greater than a tzaddik. Why is this person considered greater than a tzaddik? Because this person is not gonna get, there's sometimes people do so many, you know, mitzvot, and it gets, you know, I'm a righteous person. Who needs a blessing? No, I love it. Now people come, you know, and they, and they give you the hints of kiss afterwards also. You know, but why, why are you such a righteous person all of a sudden? Ah, oh, the answer? Yeah, you know, listen, we're learning all day, you know, it's, yeah, it's a lot. People get, the, the mitzvot sometimes get into a person's head. But somebody who has a sin in his past, He's, the mitzvot are not going to get into his head, which means is he's going to always serve God out of humility. He's always he's he's not going to have that proud, that flat, that that uh, that ego, that he's a righteous person, and hence his his service is going to be a much higher. That type of balchuvah is considered higher than a righteous person. When is a righteous person higher than a balchuvah? Is when the balchuvah let's say did a serious sin, karet, chay mita, all the serious sins, and then he does shuvah, A righteous person says that never sin is considered a higher level than uh, than him. Very good. Is people ask all the time, so now you know the, um, how to answer it. There is, there is, um, you know, it's very interesting when you when you think about you know like when people go and they change and they want to become better and it, it's like it's like people are like yo-yos. You realize? And they say, I, I, I read the story in um, Rabbi Przanski's uh, book on on stories. He brings it from Rabbi Duvi Shushan and he he writes it down his story and he says here he says there was once a guy that in Israel he used to collect money. He used to collect money for charity from place to place, and one day, uh, you know, you know, word got out that this guy collected a lot of money. He had a lot of money, and you know, he kept on, you know, it, the the word got out to the not the the best of people. So they got their group together, this this gang, and they said, "Listen, uh, we're going to barge into the rabbi's house and we're going to take the money." So they burst in one late one night, and they they find the rabbi in the room, you know, studying, and they bring him down to the floor, and he say, "Where's the money?" And the rabbi says, oh, I don't have any money. He says, no, no, we know you collect money for the, you know, and he collected money for orphans and for widows to give them money for Shabbat and Yom Tov. So he says, we know you did it, you better, do, you better tell us where the money is. And the rabbi says, uh, no, uh, it's, not, it's not my money to give you. And they say, Look, rabbi, we're not playing any games. They came with masks and uh, arms. And uh, they said, you know, they kept, they warned him. And the rabbi says, not going to happen. So they start beating him. They start kicking him and punching him, and, you know, and pushing him on the floor. And the guy goes down and he says, tell us what it is. You're not, you're, you're crazy. Why aren't you not telling us? So the guy, the rabbi says, you're not getting anything from me. So the guy swips out a switchblade, and he stabs the rabbi in the stomach. And he tells the rabbi, he says, you are going to die right here if you don't tell us. Don't be a fool, don't be a hero, and not tell us. You know, and the wife is sitting there in the corner screaming, just tell them where the money is, tell them where the money is. So the, so the rabbi goes and he says, I can't tell them where the money is, it's not my money. He says, not my money. So the guy, go, the guy with the knife goes over to him and says, you, you fool, rabbi. He says, we're going to kill you right over here, tell us where the money is. So the rabbi take, takes his shirt, moves his tzitzit, and he says, go ahead, kill me. He says, if you want to kill me, kill me. He says, this is not my money. What, if I'm going to give you this money, what are the orphans and the widows going to have for Shabbat and Yom Tov? And suddenly, this guy, who is, is this story happened in Israel, this guy who was, uh, um, you know, who was, you know, holding the knife, he, you know, he, he, he dropped the knife and he started shaking. And you see, he was like struggling something with his head. And, you know, the other guys behind him were like, you know, just finish him already. You know, we already did too much damage. You got to finish it. Finish the, finish the job. 
So the guy turns around, the guy with that, that stabbed the rabbi, he says, what are you, crazy? He says, the guy's at Sadiq. And he starts, he's like, how do I, and he's, and he's, and he, he's like literally going crazy. And the guys are like, well, you know, our partner just like, you know, when, when, they just jumped out the window and they ran away. And this guy is like, he's like, no, no, what am I supposed to do? And he's, he, he picks up the rabbi, he runs him to the getaway car, puts him in the car, takes off his T-Max and starts zooming to the hospital. And he's running and he's, and his rabbi's like, I, he's like, how, I never met someone so righteous as you. And he starts crying the entire ride, this, this robber. He's crying the entire ride. He says, he's like, I, 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 don't, I can't believe this. I've never met someone like you. I've never, he got, he zooms into the hospital. He takes the rabbi out and he runs with a bloody rabbi, the rabbi bleeding out of his stomach into the hospital. He says, this guy's dying right now. This guy's, they put him on the thing and they start wheeling him. As they're wheeling him, this guy's, uh, the guy goes with the rabbi, bloodshed eyes, you know, constantly, you know, crying nonstop. And he, he holds the rabbi's hand and he says, Rabbi, I beg of you, please forgive me. Please, I, I, I'm begging you. I, I did not know you were such a, I did not know there were people like you existed. I'm begging you, please exist me. Please, uh, please forgive me. So the rabbi looks at him and says, uh, you know, I see that you really, you know, you really, you really, uh, you know, you're doing chuvah on what you did. You really feel bad about it. He says, don't worry about it. Everything is forgiven. And the guy, robber, left, ran, never to be seen again. This, in a sense, you think, well, this guy's crazy. He's a flip-flopper. You know, he stabs the guy, then he cries to him, brings him there. What's going on? But in essence, we're just like that. We're just like that. We do, we, we do a problem, then we go to God. You know, I'm sorry, God, for all these sins that I did. And then tomorrow you do the same thing. You're flip-flopping back and forth. And yet, it's still considered good. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And the, just like the rabbi, God says, forgiven. Machalach, machalach, machalach. You're done. Don't worry about it. You're good. If you ever realize that it, it's, a, it's a crazy situation that we have. It's an unbelievable ability that we have. And people don't capitalize that. People don't realize that we have the ability to change. You have a, you have a, you, you, you're struggling through something in, in your character traits. You have an anger. You can change. Do it. You have the ability to do it. You have the ability to change. You have the ability to flip-flop as much as you want. But flip to the right side. There is uh, many... There are many, um, okay, well, a few minutes will be, will be done. There are many, um, there are many things that, that, uh, it, it's, it's a little difficult to, it's a little difficult to actually do chuba on. And it's actually difficult to change. When is it, when is it difficult to change? Because sometimes it becomes a habit. You know, things that become uh, habitual is very, very difficult to, to actually change because you're used to it. And if you're used to it, it's, it's tough. It's tough to change when you're used to something. That is why, if you ever realize, Older singles that they get that they're older and they're not married yet, it's more difficult for them to get married because they're used to they're set in their ways they're set living in a certain life. If a person gets married young, they sort of mend you know they grow together. But if they get you know their forties or their fifties, it's very difficult for them to you know to, to be you know to, to work together because it, they're used to their own private life. Once you get used to something, it's very very difficult to change. So what do you do if let's say you're in that situation? If you're in that situation, says the Chavot al it doesn't matter. You could still do it. If you show God you're really sincere about changing, even though you think it's impossible, it's not going to happen. If you're really sincere about it, you start the process, you're going to see a lot of siyata deshmaya. God is going to help you a lot. You're going to be able to accomplish everything. You're going to be able to accomplish. You're not, you don't have, you don't have, let's say, a good shalom bai. You're not working, you know, well with your spouse. You have the ability to do that, to change. You show God that you are trying a little bit, God's going to take you the rest of the way. God's going to take you the rest of the way. God's going to help you in that. that, that, that that's also an unbelievable... Yeah, I don't think people realize how awesome our, the Torah and God is. I don't think people realize how amazing it is that you could go, heard, like, go against Him, and not only is He not upset, the second that you just start being it, He'll help you out. Be like, oh no, no it's okay, don't worry about it. I just want you to, I, I'll help you out. I'll help you whatever it is that you need. All you got to do is just take the first few steps. There is also a lot of times that people, um, when, they, when they sin against other people, um, their ego gets in the way and they don't, they don't really try to resolve it. They push it off and then they forget about it. And there are many people that they harbor these feelings for many years to come. 
they harbor these thoughts and these uh, and this and 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 you really let's say messed up and you really should have asked for apology but you didn't because whatever it was it was, it was difficult for you and you thought okay whatever it's so long ago you forgot about it but that person might have not forgotten about it that person might still be harboring those thoughts and there are many people that, that you know that I've spoken to that you know for years they're, they're they're not religious why they're blaming their rabbi usually they blame something not that they have a right usually to but at the same time if somebody did something wrong and there's and they're justified for feeling that way you have to go and you did something wrong you have to go and ask for 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 mikhila. the the best character trait to have is that second that you mess up you ask forgiveness right away like make it like oh no no I'm sorry, I'm sorry I'm so sorry you know there are many times that you hang around the, you know, let's a group of people. I know it's especially, specifically with guys. Guys' humor sometimes is by putting other people down. You know, and, and people don't realize that something, some people will be like, oh, whatever, we're joking around, having a few beers, doesn't matter. But it, some people does matter. And when you're making jokes and the other person, you're hurting the other person's feeling, for you it might not matter, but for the other guy, that, that, that guy does matter. You know, I have guys, let's say, in my house over uh, Friday night, all the, you know, every week. We have a shoe on Friday night. So, the, but in this beer and this, you know, people get a little bit, you know, you know, loose. And sometimes they, you know, they slip a little comment. I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll usually I'll stop and be like, no, you have to ask for michila. You know, if it's not going to be an embarrassing situation, be like, you don't want it. You are tomorrow. You're going to forget about it. Doesn't mean the other guy's going to forget about it. Someone makes a comment about this. Someone makes a comment about someone's weight. Someone makes a comment about uh, this, about a smell, something like that. You know, these things these things affect people, and people don't realize that. People push it off and then they forget about it. The best thing to have is is you mess up, fix it right then and there. Don't wait till till, uh, till for if you know for a different time. Sometimes you wait and and you know it's it's too late. There is a um, there's a very interesting uh, story that that I read that there was once um, a guy by the name of Yosef and Yosef went through the Holocaust. Yosef he actually lost his entire family in the Holocaust, all except for his son Shimon. Mm-hmm. His son uh, Shimon was you know there the was uh, I think was ten years old at the time, and they went to, they stayed together to the Holocaust through the most part of it. And this is something that that they were he was able to hold on and be like you know what I got my son my son and the son says I got my dad. Without, without that, you know, we'll be okay, we'll survive it through. And this is what the, the bond that, that helped them, you know, go through their, uh, um, their difficult times. Now, he goes and, uh, years go by and they're still in the Holocaust and then suddenly one day, the, the SS guards, you know, separated the two. He says, alright, the little one, he's coming with us. And the, and the father's like, no, 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 please, please, you can't, this is the only family I have left. I'm begging you, please, whatever you do, don't take him away from me. He's everything I got, he's everything. And of course, you know, the Nazis couldn't care less. And they said, you know, they pushed him on the floor and it says, you know, enough with you, we're taking your son. And they took, the, he, they took his son and he, the, he took this very badly. He, he lost his wife, he lost his other children, he lost his pet, but he had one thing that he had left holding so cherished so dearly and he, he it, 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 it hurt him too much and he, he couldn't, he couldn't overgo it. The war ended shortly afterwards and he started searching frantically for his son. He heard that his son's transport, everybody in that transport died. And he didn't believe it at first, but he went and he went high and low searching for everything and he didn't find anything. He didn't find, you know, all the remnants of his son were, were gone. He couldn't, he couldn't trace him back. And he came to the conclusion that, you know, his son, you know, passed away. And in the Holocaust. And he had a very hard time, you know, dealing with that. He's like, he's like, God, you took away everything from me. And he says, you know what? You took away my son, take away my Judaism as well. And with that, he left and he decided he's leaving, you know, Judaism is not for him. As many people unfortunately did in the Holocaust, they couldn't deal with it. And they left, they left religion behind. And he went on to South America and he was, uh, worked as an apprentice at a diamond uh, dealer. And he started, you know, making, uh, making his name known over there. And eventually, you know, he was able to open up his own place. And, you know, his name from Yosef went to Joe and he became extremely, extremely successful. Successful behind, uh, beyond his wildest dreams. 
and he went and he, uh, you know, shortly after that, he lived a completely secular lifestyle. He met a non-Jewish woman and he settled with her and they had a, they had a child. And many years go by, about 60 years go by. 60 years go by and, uh, you know, he gets a business proposition. He's in his, you know, well on in his years and he gets a business proposition in Israel. And he's like, listen, you know, it's like Israel, you know. So he's like, you know what, something piqued his curiosity, the, the old religion that he used to have. He says, you know what? Let me take it. Let me take it. And he goes and travels down to Israel. And he goes and he, and he deals with the business that he deals with. And then he goes to, um, and then he goes to his, uh, um, he goes to, to, there's a, there's a Holocaust museum called the Yad Vashem in Israel. So he says, you know what? I'm ready here. Let me, let me see what's, uh, you know, let me go visit. And he, and the second he walks into the Yad Vashem, he sees all the pictures, all the memories flood back to him. And he's realized, he never even realized that they have a computer over there. A computer that he could search for all the people that passed away. So he goes over to the computer and he starts searching his wife's name and, you know, his first wife. And he sees, you know, all of a sudden, all, you know, he starts searching his children one by one. And all of a sudden he gets, he gets overwhelmed with emotion. Tears start streaming down his face. And, uh, then he's like, you know, and he's like, he's going to do his sons. And then he checks his last son, Yosef. And he checks Yosef and he says the last name over there and, uh, nothing's coming up. So he's like, oh, something must be wrong. So he searches again. And he said, nothing's coming up. So he says there's a, there was another search that you could do for people that are alive. So he's like, could it, is it possible? Shaking, he runs over to the other computer and he starts searching in for the, for, in the alive one. And he sees that there's a Yosef, say, I mean there's a Shimon, same name, last name as him, that's living in Tel Aviv now that went through the Holocaust. And he's like, what is it? He quickly find, gets the phone number and, and they arrange a meeting. And it turns out, so they, uh, this Shimon goes over to Yosef and they meet in the hotel room. And it turns out he sees his son after 60 years. His son survived the war. His son survived the entire war. The second that they see each other, they embrace each other and they, and they cry, you know, for like, for, for hours. They're sitting and they're reminiscing in the park. And, uh, you know, Shimon took a little bit, the son took a little bit of a different turn than his father. He went to Tel Aviv and he ended up, uh, you know, st- sticking strong to religion. And he built a strong religious home. And he's looking at, you know, his father's looking at his son and he says, you know, it's like, what, what a terrible mistake I made in my whole life. He says, I only left religion because I thought my son was not here anymore. And all essence, he was alive and safe. And then he starts rethinking about what am I, I have non-Jewish, I have a non-Jewish son. I'm living a non-secular life. And it's, it starts really bothering him. And, uh, you know, so he says, you know what, you know, the only thing that he could do with this, he's, he's well on his ears. He says, you know what, he's going to come clean to his wife in, uh, in, in South America. So he goes, flies back. And he says, uh, you know, he says, listen, I, I guys need to tell you something. He says, I'm Jewish and, and I have a Jewish son. And he says, I'm going to rewrite my will. It's going to half going to go to, to my, you know, my other son. His name was John. And the other half is going to go to Shimon, my Jewish son. So they rewrite the will. They kept, they keep up over the phone, the son and the father for, you know, for a few weeks. And then shortly after the meeting, a few, mere few weeks after they, he met his son after 60 years, he returned his soul to his maker. The father left this world. And uh, the, the, the lawyer calls the son and says, listen, you have to, you know, you have to come down. We have, you have the lawyer, the paperwork, the inheritance, and your father's uh, funeral. And he says, yeah, I'm coming right down. He runs, the, he flies right down to, to South America. And his half-brother, uh, John, picks him up from the airport. And, you know, they're talking and they say, listen, you know, dad uh, left, uh, you know, $30 million. And we split it in half and half. It's $50 million for me, $50 million for you. And they were talking about other things. And uh, he was... Um, he says, uh, John, the son says, don't worry about it, I got the funeral, everything is taken care of, it'll be in a few days. So Shimon is like, what, a few days? Is a law, according to the Judaism, is that you got to bury right away. He says, what a few days? What, what are we waiting for? Let's, let's, uh, let's get the funeral fast. Yeah, you have to bury him as fast as possible. He says, no, listen, he says, the church was booked. He says, we couldn't get a priest until, uh, you know, recently. And the guy's like going crazy, a priest? You got, my father's Jewish! He's like, what do you mean you're getting a priest and putting him in a church? And he says, listen, whether your father, you know, dad was, you know, Jewish per se, but he lived a non-Jewish life. And this is how he wanted, this is how he lived his life, this is how he's going to be buried. He says, uh, so he says, what are you crazy? He says, well, no, we can't do that. 
And the guy says, listen, you just walk into our lives now. He says, you know, it's been 60 years, it's just been me and our father. You know, we're taking care of it, and this is how it's going to be. And this guy, Shimon, is saying, what am I going to do? He's like, my dad. He's like, he's like uh, you know, so he starts calling, he calls lawyers. He's like, what am I, gonna, you know, I can't do it. He, call, he calls Israel, Israel sets him up with a, with a, with a law firm in South, in South America, and the, he brings his, son, his, his half-brother to court. And the, you know, the judge over there, the non-Jewish judge, what is he gonna, you know, be like, okay, yeah, he's really Jewish and he doesn't know the thing. He says, listen, I understand. So he says, the son, now John gives him another shot. He says, listen, he says, dad's gonna get cremated. And the guy screams, cremated? He's, are you kidding me? And, and the judge says, what's the problem? He says, you take half the ashes, bury it in the Kershaw Cemetery. You take half the ashes, bury it in the Jewish cemetery. What's the problem? So the guy, the Shimon is going crazy. He's like, he's like, he's like, this man survived the fires in Auschwitz just to be cremated by his son? He's like, how is that possible? And then he goes, and he says, no, there can't be. And he goes to the half-brother and says, John, please, I'm begging of you, please, let, let me, you know, let me do it. And he says, he says what are you kidding me? Not, yeah. It's going to be my way. This is the way that he lived, this way that he's going to die. So he says, so uh, John is about to walk out of the courtroom. So Shimon lives, says, five million. So the guy turns around and he says, what, what do you mean, five million? So I'll give you five million dollars if, if you let me bury dad in a, in a, you know, in a Jewish cemetery. And he says, you think, he walks up to him, John, and says, you think you're going to buy me out now? You think you're going to buy me out? You humiliated me by bringing me to court about my father's funeral. I think I'm going to sell my, you know, sell it out for five million dollars. He's like, "Have a good day. I'll see you. At, I'll see you at the funeral." He turns around. He's about to open the door. He's, the, the Shimon screams out, 15 million. Have it all. Take it all. Just give me my father." He freezes for a second. John. He turns around and he says, "You mean that?" He says, "Take all my inheritance. Just give me my father." He says, "Don't bury him. In a, don't bury him. Don't cremate him. Don't bury him in a Christian cemetery." And he's like, he's like, if you put your words, you know, put it on document. This is no problem. I'll sign wherever you want. The lawyers were all in here. Write it up right now. They write it up. They sign it. He says, give him all my inheritance. He takes his father. He brings him to Israel and he buries him in Israel in the Jewish cemetery. They went over to him afterwards. Asked him. Said, listen, you know, it's not like you have so much money. You're sending, you're learning in in Israel. He says, fifteen million dollars. It could have set you for life. You, your children. He says, how do you do that? How do you give up everything for your father? So he said, it was very simple. He says, I was never able to do kibbutz aim to my father. I was never, in my whole life, I was never able to do it. I had one chance to do it. If I had one chance, then no matter the price, it didn't matter to me, I was going to do it. I was going to go whatever it takes so I could do kibbutz aim, so I could honor my father and it was worth the $50 million and I don't regret it one bit. Everybody has the ability to do good. Everybody has the ability to change no matter how tough it is. But the most of all, is you have a father in heaven. You have a father in heaven that, that, that you're able to do good for it. You don't have to spend $15 million. You could do it a little bit. You don't have to give up your entire inheritance like Yosef did. Like Shimon did, I'm sorry. You have the ability to do it. You have the ability to change. You have the ability to accomplish so much. And it's a waste. It's a shame not to go and, and capitalize on, the, on your opportunities that you have. You have so much that you could do. You can change yourself for the better. You can change yourself to become more spiritual. You can change everything. Everything is possible. Only you have to believe in yourself. And if you believe in yourself you will be able to actually accomplish everything. Any questions? No questions? Nothing. Never any questions here. Okay. That's good also. Okay. Everybody should have an amazing judgment, an amazing year, and an unbelievable whoever needs a shidduch should get a shidduch, and whoever needs a ufuah should get a ufuah, and whoever needs shalom bayit should get shalom bayit, and whoever needs panasah should get panasah, and we should all have an unbelievable, entire class should have an unbelievable, amazing, amazing year. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.